Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 34 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Today I chat with Alexis Nyers. Now, you may know her from The Bling Ring or her reality show, Pretty Wild, But what you don't know is that through all of that, Alexis was pretty addicted. Today, she sets the record straight about her past and gives us the details of what her life is like now. Being in recovery for eight years, Alexis is a gem and she shines right through her bling ring past. So let's get into it. With Instagram and Facebook being down yesterday, I'm not going to lie, I was stressed. I don't like feeling disconnected, and who does? So I instantly reached for my OC Vegas Nerve Oil. You guys, this oil is absolutely amazing. It smells great, but how it makes you feel is even more important. It has juniper, chamomile, lavender, jojoba oils... This oil just takes away the stress. It actually almost puts me into kind of a a meditative state. It regulates my stress, helps with my sleep, and actually helps out with my digestion as well. Definitely check out Vegas Nerve Oil from OC. They are great, great products, all plant-based from Malibu. Check out OC. Oh, Alexis. I am so stoked to talk to you. I have to admit, I am a fangirl. I think I've said that about every guest, but (laughs) seriously, like I grew up watching your show, your, your TV show. And I like, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to move to LA. Maybe not like (laughs) being super crazy about it, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like you kind of started the whole reality TV show kind of like obsession with everyone. Now it's like every show on TV is a reality show. Yeah, we definitely were in that time period where reality TV was taking off and um, the entire scripted television, which was brutal on my family specifically because my dad was a director of photography and my stepdad was a set designer. So we oh, no were way. Like, on the brink of like homelessness multiple times. Um, and my dad wow. actually was homeless for a while because the whole industry just took this huge shift into reality TV. And now we'll see yeah. what happens with the world of Instagram and YouTube. That's mm-hmm. kind of now you can just produce your own show. You don't even yeah. need, you know, E or A&E or MTV to have a show. Like, you can just do it yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Crazy. Yeah. So I wanted to just jump right into it. Um, 
you know, I want to hear your backstory, how you grew up, you know, how the whole reality show kind of came to be, um, the infamous bling ring stuff. Just, can you just lay it on the line for us? Like, where did you grow up? How did, how did everything get started? I grew up in Southern California. So I'm a Southern Mm -hmm. California native, born and raised. Um, my parents, Andrea and Michael, um, were, Mm -hmm. were just really flawed individuals. And they ended up getting divorced when I was three. My dad had a really bad addiction and alcoholism issues from, you know, I can remember that like when I was four. Uh, oh, wow. His drunken outbursts and all of that. And then my mom was this like free spirited, pot smoking hippie chick who mm-hmm. had no boundaries and just wanted to raise kids that would end up being her friend. <laughs> Basically is oh. how it ended up. Yeah. She was yeah. definitely like the friend, the friend parent. And mm-hmm. I had some pretty, um, pretty horrendous sexual abuse that began with a family member when I was four, uh, basically everything except for vaginal penetration. And that lasted for several years. And I kept that a secret until I was almost 19. So I, I held that secret for a really long time, but that definitely looking back in therapy, Mm -hmm. I can see how it impacted every aspect and every area of my life um, with regards to the way that I viewed myself and the the world, um, my performance mm-hmm. in school, my ability to make and maintain friendships, everything was impacted from that. And I wanted to, I, I think at the time my brain just kind of, our brains are amazing things they shut down when we're under immense stress or trauma and they're not functioning as well and so I think that that kind of saved me for a while and then it didn't Mm -hmm. work anymore and then by the time I was a preteen I was already kind of looking for my escape and that began in food and then eventually moved into you know stealing warm beers out of my friends garages and you know, smoking cigarettes whenever I could find them. And my, my disease, just like for the majority of alcoholics and addicts progressed really quickly. It was fast. It was rapid. It was ugly. It was the traditional A saying it was fun. It was fun with problems. And then it was just all problems and then problems on top of problems. And that was pretty Mm -hmm. much it because I got sober at 19. So I, I began using hard drugs though about the time that I started venturing off into Hollywood, working with my adopted sister Tess and doing music videos and partying with rock stars and, um, you know, living kind of this ideal, well, what we thought was ideal life. Right. And we were smoking Oxycontin all day, every day. And um, copious Whoa. amounts of weed and drinking. And yeah, I mean, I look back now and even the people we were partying with, which were pretty hardcore people like Marilyn Manson, yeah. things like that. Um, Whoa. Uh, we were using more drugs than they were. <laughs> like it was pretty no. crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was like these little we teenagers were, are out rock yes. starring the rock stars. Yeah. We, yeah, we were we were out of control. And so um basically that was that was the fun phase, right? And then we were working mm-hmm. on this on this movie set and um and this producer was like, You girls are a lot of fun. Would you ever want to shoot a sizzle reel? And we were hmm. like, A sizzle reel, what's that? And they were like, It's it's yeah. what you pitch to um to TV show producers and and such to see if they want to give you guys your own TV show. And we're like, okay, hell yeah. Like, why not? And so um, then that ended up taking off. I mean, back then it was kind of like a a one in a million shot, right? Like who would ever want to um, 
follow our family. I mean, there wasn't that much. I mean, there's exciting stuff going on, but they weren't going to have access to us inside Kid Rock's house. You know, like they weren't going to be able to film that type of stuff. So the show was initially called Homeschooled with the Arlingtons. And um, it was a show about how my like crazy mom homeschooled us using like the law of attraction and the secret basically, which that was real life in my house growing up. Wow. Cause I told you my mom was like an extreme hippie yeah. who believed in okay. manifestation and all of that stuff, which to be fair, I mean, she did manifest that show for us. She did affirmations and, and vision boards every day. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like no she's way. the one that really made that really made that happen. But the point is that we, um, we got picked up to do a pilot, which was huge. Um, and then simultaneously the second day of filming that pilot, I got arrested. Mm Um, and the cops came to my house in the morning. That's not what you really saw on the show. That was a remake. The majority, sorry, pretty wild fans. A lot of that show was, (laughs) um, (laughs) loosely scripted. Um, and, and, and then, you know, and then history cre- made itself, right? Like, what, what's the saying? Like, right. the, and the rest was history. It's just, it was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, so a lot that of people took a are like, well, like, give wild me a wild turn. <laughs> it did. It, it really did. Um, and it wasn't, expected I think everyone um I think because of my show I was kind Mm -hmm. of pictured to be the like mastermind of the bling ring um unfortunately Mm -hmm. now for story purposes that's not the case I mean I wish I had like this really fun exciting story to tell everybody about how we did it and blah 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 but honestly I didn't know like I was charged with bun burglary. Nick Prugo was mm-hmm. the leader of that group and had been robbing people for long before I even met him. I only knew him for a very short period of time. And we were just kind of like young kids who like to use drugs together. And then one night we were out and he drove me to a house and the burglary happened. So mm-hmm. um, I, after that night, I stopped talking to Nick. And within the next couple of months, a bunch of um, video surveillance footage started coming out of him and his other uh, partner or his partner. Mm -hmm. I guess he really had one uh, robbing other celebrity houses. And I called the cops. And so you called the cops. I called the cops. Multiple times and like tried to reach out to wow. the manager. Yeah, because the reality is, even though I was like a hardcore drug addict, like I still had a conscience and I knew that that was like really fucking wrong. Yeah. And, you know, like I had a heart. All I mean, I, not to say yeah. that I was some Mother Teresa because I certainly wasn't. Like I checked cars all the time for like loose change and cash and. And to try to get drugs. I mean, like my whole life was like revolved about how I can get drug money. But I'm, I right. mean, I can't claim that I was like the mastermind of the bling ring. Like, you know, yeah. that's not, that's not me. It just became, I just became the face of that because of the reality show. And so, right. um, when the cops showed up at my house the night before I'd been partying with this, back then who was like a really cool kind of underground rapper singer mickey avalon we had been out until like 4 a.m i had taken a xanax like at five so i was like in a total blackout and the cops showed up to my house and i thought that they were just there um to like talk to me even though it was like a raid like i guess i didn't realize that you know, I thought that they were just there to like talk to me about all the phone calls I'd been making to the police about these kids. Right. Um, right. you know, but I guess they had already gotten Nick and Nick, you know, was trying to throw everybody under the bus that he possibly could at the time in order to save himself. Yeah. So, which, you know, anybody in that situation would do. 
Um, so anyway, so yeah. the show really, the show was really my demise. I mean, fighting a reality show high on heroin, um, while you're fighting a court case facing up to six years in prison is pretty much like the mm-hmm. epitome of, of hell. At least it is for me. Um, yeah, it was, it was really brutal and very traumatic and, um, uh, you know, <laughs> Super stressful. I don't know. It, it, it was just, but at the same time, it was the very best thing that ever happened to me. Um, you mm. know, and obviously I feel bad for all of the victims of the bling ring and I feel really horrendous for Orlando Bloom. The right. whole situation was terrible and tragic. And I just, when I say, I don't want, when I say that this was the best thing that ever happened to me, I don't want people to think that, like, I'm not aware of all of the tragedy that took place. I am. Right. Um, yes. But I just hope people know that now, because I got sober and because I am so vocal on my own podcast and on my social media platforms and with other people and the work that we do at Aloe, which is my husband's treatment center, like, because of that we've been able to help thousands of people thousands of people and so what ended up being the very worst day of my life sitting in a jail cell kicking heroin ended up you know i did that time got out got loaded again went back into prison then went into treatment and that those moments that were like where i had literally nothing that ended up mm-hmm. being the very best day of my life. And I'm just, you know, uh, I, it's not just the pain that I inflicted, but the pain that was inflicted upon me. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, mm-hmm. God, being raped at four was great. What I'm saying is right. that like when I can shift my perspective into and and see how that's made me such a compassionate, empathetic person that, you know what I mean? Like those horrendous things yeah. happen. It's like, what are we going to do with them? Um, and so I've made it my mission to do as much as possible, you know, and I and that process mm-hmm. began for me when I recognized shame like that. The things that I've done to other people, that's my shame to carry. The things that mm-hmm. other people have done to me, that's theirs. I don't right. have to hold that. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, you know. So I got sober, met my amazing husband. We started um, Aloe, which is his treatment center. I went to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor. And for the last eight years of my recovery, I've just dedicated my life to like helping people not just recover from alcoholism, but from trauma of any. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's a lot. I also work as a birth. Incredible. (laughs) Whoa. A lot. So, I mean that it's so interesting because like, you know, even reading um, old news articles and watching things on YouTube. I did a little research last night. Um, mm-hmm. Like your story, like you're painted as the ultimate villain. And that's not the case at yep. all. <laughs> well, like it's yeah. just, I mean, I mean not that, I not that you're like, like completely off the hook, but. No, I think that. Um... I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. I think that there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had about the way that women specifically are portrayed in the media and the Mm -hmm. way that the media 
the way that the media spins things to fit their narrative. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, so when you look at other, there's such a big spectrum, like Demi Lovato's struggles, right? Mm-hmm. Most people mm-hmm. wouldn't be like, Oh my God, she's the worst person ever. Or Khloe Kardashian who got a DUI, like she could have got killed somebody. Like that's like the right. worst possible situation, you know what I mean? Situation ever. And people, people, what I'm saying is that, um, people will find whatever narrative they want and they'll create whatever narrative they want. Um, and that's really their business and not mine. And I'm focusing today on talking about recovery and not just Mm -hmm. how to get sober, but like, how do you build a life for yourself after you get sober? Yes. You know, because when I, I mean, got sober, how I did nothing. you? Right. Like, how yeah, do you, it was really not hard. even from like, like not even from the material kind of standpoint of, of having nothing, but how do you, how do you work past and regain that trust? You know, from, from, yeah. you know, from your, from your actions, from, you know, things that have been said, like, how do you, how do you rebuild that trust? I mean, that's a huge issue that I have with my clients as well. You know, people are like, well, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed. It's like, okay, you can physically tell me how you've changed or you can show me, you yeah. know what I mean? So how, yeah, how do you think, I you, think that um, you do that? It, that's a really loaded and huge question. And I'd be happy to answer for you, for you, but I think it's going <laughs> to take me a couple of seconds. So I think the yeah. first thing is, um, when we get newly sober, like the first thing that we need to do, the two most important things I feel like are mm-hmm. learning to be okay with being uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. not feeling like you constantly have to save face, which has to do a lot with ego. You know, like yep. your ego tells you like, you're great. You should never be uncomfortable. Life is good. You're perfect. That's the other person's fault, whatever it may be, but like learning to be uncomfortable and being okay in that discomfort, I think is, is huge. And, um, and, and part of that is like a surrender, you know, like being willing to surrender to where you're at. Like people aren't going to trust you in the beginning. The reason why I waited eight years to launch my podcast and to write a book is because I knew that at five years, still no one would take me seriously. Um, Mm. and so I think that, that, that there's that, you know, like acknowledging, acknowledging your and other people's suffering and then mm-hmm. letting that eventually throw you into action, keeping your side of the street clean and just moving forward. You know, I, I struggle in my relationship with my little sister. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I can say, sorry a thousand times, but if she's not right. willing, to accept it, really accept it and move forward. It's not really my job or my responsibility, you know? Right. So, um, you know, not everybody is going to forgive you. Um, things, I mean, I, when I went and made out, made my amends, I got plenty of fuck yous back. I did. I, <laughs> and it hurts. Really? It really, yeah. it really hurts. Yeah. It really hurts. Yeah. Like, you know, um, but I have to realize that that person's hurting. You know what I mean? Forgiveness is not something that everybody is just capable of. It's not something that we're really taught in our society to do. We would much rather point fingers and shame and blame and scapegoat. That's kind of what we're programmed to do. So when somebody comes to you, like honestly making an amends, um, yeah, there's been plenty of, plenty of times that I haven't gotten you know, uh, or received forgiveness from that person, but that's okay because I think the point is to, um, to just move forward and you can make living amends, you know, and that's really what I try Mm -hmm. to do is just to make living amends and, and to move on in, in that way. And, and so I think that that's the, the first, the first step. I mean, getting sober is really challenging. There's, 
And that's why I really think that a holistic approach is the most important thing that we can do for ourselves. And when I say holistic, I just mean looking at everything, looking at the whole picture, like mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, where, you know, and then, and then creating a life for yourself. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes time. It takes so much time and so much patience. It's, it's honestly, it's not something that comes naturally to us. And so I think that again, if you can let go of your ego and accept help from people who have actually done this and people, not only people that have done this, but people who are balanced enough to try to not try to manage and control your life, but in, instead yeah. to help you figure it out yourself. Um, yeah. To guide you, not problem. kind of dictate. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a huge problem in AA and it's a huge problem in the rehab world. And, um, you know, at Aloe, we always say connection, not control. Like we want to form mm. connections with people, not control you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's pretty, so true. Cause that's yeah. what we all want. You know, we all want connection. Well, I mean, in connection, that's the answer to addiction. I'm telling yeah. you, that's it. I mean, the. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. The, um, the value, the, the valuable and, and if we can, if we can make our connections with our loved ones and with our community more important, what is the word more of more value than of drugs? Like Mm. we will solve the issue of addiction. I mean, look at all of the, the guys who came home from the war in Vietnam, that like 90% of them or something were addicted to opium. They came back and we didn't have a heroin problem. Everybody just went back to right. their families and their lives and they had those meaningful connections. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's really, you know, connections and like basic, like fundamental needs. Like if those two things are there, then addiction would not cease to exist, but the numbers would be a lot lower than they are now. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever heard of that experiment, the rat park experience yep. or experiment? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I refer like to this, it all the, the time. The exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, and that's, and it's that's so what I true. In. That's the, our entire treatment center, that's what it's built around. Connections. Connections from the bottom yeah. up. Like, from, you know, connections that our intake coordinators have with, you know, that our whole staff doesn't view themselves as upper hand or, you know, better mm-hmm. than the person that's coming in day one on a detox and that, that that connection is so valuable. And I feel like that's really what got kept me sober. I hated groups. I barely even went to groups. I was the biggest asshole in the entire treatment center. I was actually voted least likely to succeed. And there's only three of us standing still. And I'm one of them. I mean, I really got by. Yeah. I mean, I really (laughs) got by on, um, I really got by on 
on building new relationships. I let go of all of my old friends, all of my past, Mm -hmm. and just focused on building, you know, meaningful connections with people and a new life because my family was crazy. I did not have a relationship with my family until I was like two years sober. So I had to, I had to build one on my own. Yeah. And how is your relationship with your family now? I mean, it's great. I mean, it's messy. It's, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of things, um, which I think is, is normal. It's definitely more healthy than it was before. Everybody is kind of waking up or beginning to wake up to their patterns. I'm thankful Mm. that I got sober. It launched my mom into her uh, healing, which I think was really important. And she got off antidepressants and stopped Mm. smoking so much pot and and started going (laughs) into therapy. And she actually, like, has had the most profound shift um, with regards to, you know, the way, like how she basically created a little house of addicts and the way that she was totally manipulative and um, self-seeking and not there for us. And she has now dedicated her life to working with with parents who of heroin addicts um because oh, al-anon wow. while it's great for the typical alcoholic you know mm-hmm. letting our loved ones hit bottom and just setting up boundaries for a heroin addict usually leads to them dying and yeah. so we need to take a different approach when it comes to the 18 19 20 even 32 year old heroin addict daughter who's selling yourself on the streets, like those parents, you know, in Al-Anon are being told something that's actually quite dangerous. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah. well, yes, she's a grown adult. My mom has had huge success in working with families. And she says she uses love, leverage and connection um, in mm. order to be your loved one's best shot at recovery. And, and it's pretty amazing. And she, she runs a group, um, out of our offices now for parents and they love it. It's been going on for like a year and a half now. It's amazing. I'm super proud of her. My relationship with Tess is much better. She got sober when I was about two years sober and oh, great. she's got, yeah, she's got a daughter. They're farmers. They live out in Wisconsin. She likes it. it. She lives a really quiet yeah, a really quiet, easy life, which I think is what she needed. It was impossible. We tried to get her sober out here in LA a lot um, over those first two years of my recovery, and she needed to get out. She needed to get yeah. out, which I fully respect. And then um, Gabby, we are starting therapy, uh, which I okay. think is a great thing. And I um, love her so much. She just got married in June and she's, you know, figure, you know, newlywed, all that newlywed mm-hmm. stuff, <laughs> um, yes. you know, and, and enjoying life without little kids. Yeah. You know, so she, she's, she's good. Oh, that's so nice. So I yeah. wanted to ask you how, how do you go about practicing your sobriety? Like what is your kind of routine or what are your practices look like? When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. 
With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. So in early sobriety, um, thank God for AA. Um, AA was really helpful for me. I really, I basically was with a sponsor who was like a fundamentalist. Like we read the original manuscript of the big book and my fourth step was the size of a binder. And we, (laughs) we did a lot of, (laughs) a lot of intense work and, um, and she was amazing because she really, um, stressed the importance of a spiritual practice and Mm. she's the one that taught me the whole you know like i would call her in early sobriety with you know in early sobriety things that are so minuscule feel so huge because you don't Mm -hmm. have like any ability to emotionally regulate yourself (laughs) and so i would call her with these huge issues and she'd be like okay sit down for a few minutes and then call me back and I'd be like, I'm having a meltdown right now. <laughs> like, yeah, I like, can't. no, you need like, to I'm talk to me. I'm having a panic attack. And she's like, okay, just call me back or I'll call you back. And, and what she was teaching me was that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And she said to me in early sobriety, whoever told you getting on the spiritual path was the easy path was a fucking liar. It's way easier <laughs> to keep getting loaded. It is. It's way yeah. easier to keep numbing the pain and quickly killing yourself. And yes. so, um, this, this spiritual path, um, has evolved for me over the last eight years. I okay. stopped attending AA meetings probably four years ago. Okay. And that's felt really right for, for, me and I've taken more of like a spiritual approach. Um, and just, I think too, in recognizing, um, I don't like referring to myself as an addict or an alcoholic. I don't see myself as an addict or an alcoholic. Um, I know why I used dope. I know why I picked up. I picked up because I was in immense amount of pain. I didn't have tools. I didn't know what to do with that pain. And so I shut it down. I shut it down for as long as I could, um, until the drugs and alcohol weren't working anymore. And so my solution today is, um, is I do a lot of prayer and meditation. I Mm -hmm see a therapist every week, yeah, um, which has been really Therapy's helpful great. for me, especially with, um, kids, <laughs> kids, they, yeah. it's, it's like, it brings up once you have children, it like brings up all of your childhood. I've done so much work on yeah. parenting myself. Um, and you know, while I, um, don't go to AA anymore, I really appreciate the 12 steps and all that it gave to me. And I say, you know, you could do the 12 steps in one day. Like if I'm having a really hard day, I'm like, okay, powerless over this right now. Powerless, need to turn it over, surrender control. You know, what is my fear in this? Have I hurt anybody? Am I hurting myself? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, can I pray for this person, pray for my situation? Pray, you know what I mean? And and it's yeah. just like I have the tools now and I I will say that most days... I don't even think about it. Like really that, that freedom that's promised when you finish the 12 steps was, I, you know, I obtained that. And that's not to say I don't struggle. I do. So I have depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety. Um, 
it's from growing up in pure chaos for the first 19 years of my life. And, um, I don't take medication um, because I can't seem to tolerate antidepressants and I'm actually going to do TMS, which is this new kind of technology that it's not like electroshock therapy. It's basically a really strong MRI that forces your brain to start functioning again. But that's a whole nother oh. rabbit hole we can go down. <laughs> okay, that's a whole nother podcast uh, episode. It's like a whole nother <laughs> podcast episode. Um, okay. You know, what I've found is that self-care is key. You know, um, mm-hmm. having strong and meaningful connections. Um, yeah. That's important to me. You know, I don't waste my time with shallow friendships or relationships anymore. It's just, it doesn't fuel me. And if I can't be authentically myself, then it's not worth my time. And and I don't feel good about it. And I just leave, you know, wherever I'm at going, ugh, that didn't feel good. Um, you know, so I, I have a core group of friends that, that I love and respect the majority of whom are sober. And then, okay. you know, I have my little unit here um, with my kids and Evan and I do my therapy and I do my prayer meditation. I make sure I go to yoga a couple times a week. You know, I oh, yoga um, is the best. It's it is. Yeah, it, yeah. it really is. And then, um, you know, the podcast that I'm doing now is basically um it's basically like sitting on my couch with friends and hearing their stories and about how they've mm. recovered, which is basically a, like a mini AA meeting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and, and that's kind of how that formed. Um, yes. And so, you know, I just, I, I do my best to stay in, in gratitude. And, and what I found is with enough self-care and, and and not just self-care, but um, being willing to check in. I spent all mm. of my life checking out. And I really think that if you're willing to check in, if you're willing to have an honest look at your life and your relationships with people and your relationships with substances, whether it be food and your relationship with places like work or wherever, that might be imbalanced. You know, then it's like, okay, I'm a little imbalanced in this area. It doesn't have to be so, it's not extreme for me anymore. You know, where everything in life used to be so black and white. Now my life is just kind of like this gray area that's like pretty balanced. I always think about the yin and the yang. Like, I just want to be that dot in the middle, you know? And it's just like, I don't have to go, oh my God, I fucked that up. I'm a horrible person. It's just, have you ever Mm -hmm. read Brene's Brown book about shame? That yeah. book is incredible. The, the I thought it was just right? me. The newest one. I thought it was just me, but it isn't. Oh. And it and it no. changed my life. But yeah, I mean, oh. just like acknowledging like, okay, I'm not a perfect parent. Okay. Yeah. I was being a shitty friend. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't have to yes. like, get loaded over shit like that anymore. Because it's like, in, I right. have some perspective now and some experience and enough humility to acknowledge like whoa was i ever wrong you know yeah. i was so wrong that was really messed up yes you know i don't oh. know <laughs> it, totally. i make it sound like it's so easy i'm like but but can't you just like but it kind you know? of is though <sighs> yeah i mean it I like kind of is keep things simple <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it was definitely the first two years were really hard the first few years is really uh-huh. hard and I have really hard moments. Like I had a meltdown last week that was like huge. And I was like, how am I going to survive this? And, oh. and then we survive it, you know? And it's just yeah. like, okay. And, and I don't let that meltdown. That's not going to affect the rest of my month or my year. It's like what right. you used to. It doesn't define you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, okay, today is a new day. And my, and I put my intentions forth in the beginning and i and i really do realize that those meltdowns usually um don't happen as frequently or last as long when i'm checked mm-hmm. in right yeah wow <laughs> i feel like i just yeah, made that I seem mean, real simple i don't know i mean it it 
It is and it isn't. I feel like we as humans love to complicate things and make them like mm-hmm. so much more intricate than they really need to be because we're emotional yeah. human beings. We have these things called emotions yeah. and they trip us the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And when you can start to differentiate, like, this is how I'm feeling and this is reality, you know, yeah. like that, I think yep. is huge. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty huge. Um, But it takes time. And I mean, like when you're, I call those first year of sobriety, like really like you're kind of in a psychosis. Like everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything you think, you know, is not real. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> not reality. It's not real. You got your training you wheels on. <laughs> first year. Yeah. Get past that first year. Don't make any huge. I actually had a girlfriend on the podcast the other day. She's like, and we got pregnant and you're not even supposed to have a plant in your first couple of years of sobriety. I don't think <laughs> And she's like, and we had a baby. I was like, yeah, oh, that's, shit. A lot. that's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, but I mean, I think every addict's instincts and I mean, I went and sleeved up my arms and got tattoos like crazy. And I think every addict's instinct <laughs> is I'm going to do this and I'm going to get a new car and I'm going to get a new boyfriend and I'm going to, and I'm, you know, yeah. we want to just continuously change the way we're feeling. And then we're really disappointed when, when, um, when, when it, the joy and the happiness of that only lasts like six hours, maybe a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. So my totally. suggestion is just to like every slow everything down and stick to basics, you know, get yourself yeah. a job, some housing um, steady income revenue and just chill yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> Bask um, in that. Bask in not stressing yeah. out and searching for money. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. it's the worst. Yes. Yeah, it is. Not true. So what does this the rest of the year have for you? Like what are you what are you doing? What are you up to today, tomorrow? What do you have on the schedule? <sighs> <laughs> so I um I launched my podcast Recovering from Reality and it's really yeah. blown up and I'm really super grateful. I mean wow. I was not expecting that and I'm really I'm just so humble and grateful about that and um I can't wait for that and I'm looking forward to that and then I'm finally writing a book. I mean everybody has <gasps> been asking me on my yes. social media feeds when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? I'm finally writing this damn book. And it feels like such a daunting (laughs) task, but it's like, (laughs) I know I need to do it. Um, and then it's so therapeutic though. Like you'll love it. Yeah. Like once you just actually do it, it will literally flow out of you. It's crazy. And like the, the shit, like the realizations that you don't even know are in you will just kind of like float out and you'll be like oh my god that's why i did that or that's why i do this yeah. that's why i react to this it's so oh yeah. it's so amazing i'm really you'll love i'm it. really looking forward to that and then um so as far as business stuff we'll see uh, you know what what's going on there and then i'm still running mm-hmm. groups at our treatment centers too so i'm very busy oh, great. um and then evan and i are still on the fence about adopting a third child. So there's that too. I mean, life oh. is like really crazy. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, life but is in the best really possible right way. <laughs> in the best possible way. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I've got a daughter going into first grade, which is like melts me. Like, I just can't even believe Aww. that we're almost done with kindergarten and, moving on and um you know and i'm and what i'm hoping is that recovering from reality the podcast will eventually become a community of like-minded people and we'll be able to provide people with those connections because i'm always Mm -hmm. talking about the importance of connecting yes (laughs) will be a platform where people can come together and i don't know exactly how that's going to look yet but i'm really excited about it and i'm hoping that um that in the next year i'll have some more clarity on where we're going with that but right now i'm focusing on the podcast writing the book 
Um, you know, and just trying to keep up with my crazy life here. My producer always laughs. She's like, I thought I was busy. You are the world's busiest woman. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it feels, it feels like a lot, a lot of the time, but, um, you know, I make sure to get in enough of that self care and then mm-hmm. they find our balance and yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. So where can people listen to the podcast? So you can visit um, recoveringfromreality.com. We have, um, we're up on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, okay. all of the above. <laughs> Woo. Um, and yeah. And if you want to follow me personally, it's um, at it's Alexis Haynes. And yeah, it's, it's okay. cool. I'm excited. Great. You should be because it's so great and it's so needed. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> this Monday's episode that's launching. I'm like stoked about because the first two episodes were really like my story and then, you know, the reunion mm-hmm. episode with my family. And now I'm really ready to like get into it with people. And, okay. And I think it's going to be really epic. <laughs> awesome. So one last question. Uh, what uh-huh. advice would you give to anyone listening to us today, either trying to get sober in their sobriety in their recovery, what piece of advice would you give to anyone listening? That is a big question. I think, um, I think that in this day and age where everybody relies so heavily on the amount of likes they get in order to feel validated, my final thought would be, you know, that you're worth it and you're worthy just because of you, that you don't need Mm. to rely on anything else, but, you know, the perfect being that you are, the heart that's beating, the blood that's flowing, the energy that's moving through you is, is so unique and so divine and so special And to really hone in on that and to know that that's so valuable, more valuable than anything else, because it's life and that, you know, Mm -hmm. you deserve happiness and peace and freedom. And, um, you know, and I hope, I hope that you get it. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for chatting today and sharing your story and your journey. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I told you she was cool. (laughs) If that's not a transformation, I don't know what is. If you haven't seen Pretty Wild or The Bling Ring, Go into the archives of the interweb and see what you have been missing. As always, thank you guys so much for your love and support. Couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide and the blog. Check out the blog. We got it all, baby. www.asobergirlsguide.com and leave us a comment. We love your feedback. Please rate, subscribe, and leave your comments on the podcast, either through Spotify or iTunes. Love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for listening to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast. Have a great day.